unhappiest in the saddle. <laughs> a fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Come with me if you want to live. Hello. Welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time, dear Ramblers, we are heading all the way back to 1987 to review Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Running Man. Who gave us this beauty, George? It is by uh, Detective Starsky himself, Paul Michael Glazer. Right. Okay, Probably the biggest hit of his directorial uh, career. Um, but yes, it's it's annual Arnie. You know, we have to do at least one Arnie film a year and it's that time of year. And a lot of people are probably asking, how come we haven't covered this sooner? Yeah, and it's been quite the trip for George and I to go back. This is what this uh, this podcast is all about. It's about George and I revisiting the films of our youth. And typically, the bigger the film is of our youth, the more fun that we have. But it's been quite a while since I saw this. What about you, George? Uh, I have watched it in the past five years. Uh, I okay. think that's I did, recent for I think, uh, Retro Ramble. <laughs> I think I did watch it when it's. Uh, I was watching it in real time, if that makes sense. I was watching it in 2017 when this film is originally set. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think as as usual, we'll, we'll delve into uh, first memories or our memories of this film uh, growing up as well. Excellent. Okay, so if you listen before you know what to expect if you've not uh should we have a quick bit of housekeeping george yeah we, we've we've kind of just covered it already but yeah if you're new to this podcast uh charlie and i are brothers and the point of this podcast we're a little independent film podcast uh, we don't have any celebrity friends or endorsements um but this is just a, a podcast about us going back to look at the films that we grew up with uh seeing do they still hold up um, what made them so special back in the day? Have they been remade, rebooted, spun off into a, a Netflix or Amazon series? Uh, and generally just to have a bit of fun with them. So this is a lighthearted look back. Uh, we'll aim to give you uh, some trivia along the way, um, but this isn't an in-depth critical appraisal. Uh, this is just two brothers having a bit of fun with an old friend. And that uh, old friend is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Is Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and final yeah, uh, warning, it may get a little bit juvenile. There may be some swearing and there'll definitely be some bad impressions. We'll be going into the films in detail, so there'll be spoilers from the very off. Excellent. Well, thank you for that, George. So uh, have we got things queued up? Are we going to be doing the, the trailer mumbo jumbo? Have we got the, the video set? And I haven't um, got I haven't got it set up, but just give me a sec whilst I load up the cassettes. Okay. Well, all I remember about this film when we were growing up is that um, there was a lot of sound bites. You'd be watching TV, and there'd be a lot of the, the obviously they couldn't show you the gory bits, but there was a lot of uh, you know, it's time to start running, and who loves you and who do you love, uh, all of those sort of game showy stuff, and. Yeah, you can see why. But this this is Arnie in his wheelhouse. This is Arnie um, mimicking, using the same lines, even doing the same poses. It's like, you see me carry a tree. <laughs> now I carry a girder. Well, yeah, um, we'll, we'll get into that. But yes, I have um, 
I have located the uh, the trailer. We'll edit all this out. I've just been treading water for you while uh, you get our tech uh, stuff uh, uh, okay. put together. This will probably be cut. Sensational, perfect contestant. I want him. He must pay or play the running man. On your mark! I'll be back. Go! The highest rated TV show in history. Because they want us to stay. It's a game between life and death. Can you lift? Arnold Schwarzenegger is the running man. He's playing for a prize. The prize is his life. How about the life? The Running Man. Now, I'm pretty sure that trailer music is either from Aliens or Wrath of Khan. It's definitely James Horner. I, I was hearing um, a lot of Star Trek. So, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking Wrath of Khan, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. And and for once, quite a nice short, snappy trailer. But back in the day, I feel like the I don't know. I just remember the trailer differently. I remember this film being darker. Uh, I know it's got obviously seriously dark undertones, but I remember it being darker, grittier. Um, but I think that just shows that the look and feel that they were going for, you know, post-apocalyptic or future state, whatever, really rubbed off. But um, but if you think yeah, we I- were watching this also when we were too young to be watching it so it probably felt a lot darker and twisted and stuff um so wow yeah the running man i'm so glad we're doing this it's um as i said in the intro this is this is arnie at the top of his game um films were made for him (laughs) around uh, him around his muscles uh so george uh how did we get this film because i think i i know that there's there's a lot of background so i'm I'm expecting a it's a a long trip to production chat island or a short trip to a big island of production not sure (laughs) uh it's it's uh yeah that's that's a good question this is based on a book a a novel by uh, an author called Richard Bachman, also known in real life as Stephen King. So, oh, okay. Uh, so he, yeah, wrote this. In, the novel was first published in 1982, and it was one of five novels released under the Bachman pen name. Uh, and the film producers uh, was one. The producers was called George Linder. He fell in love with the book and optioned it for a movie in 1982. Uh, and at the time, when he buying the rights, he didn't realise, I don't think Stephen King went public about him being uh, Richard Bachman until 1985. So I they, were, 
They were, <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm Bachman. Uh, so yeah, they bought the book without actually realizing it was um, a Stephen King book. And I think there is some talk of their uh, plagiarism um, in terms of there was a film that came out in the early 80s, a French film based on a book, I think called The Price of Fear or something that was a very similar premise. But for, for all intents and purposes, they they read the book and they loved the book and they made it into a film but it even though they optioned the book for a few years you know in 1982 it obviously took five years to to hit the screen um because there was a few hiccups along the way um so i'm going to be uh, a little bit of a change up for the the retro ramble formula because i'm going to give away um a coulda woulda shoulda right up front because it's it's important oh my god uh i know what's he doing i've st- don't worry i've still got others for the end he's got a uh, script uh so <laughs> originally back in it was announced in 1985 that none other than actor christopher reeve was originally signed on to play the lead in this film uh shooting wow. was set to start in september 1985 was then delayed to 1986 and they were all set to shoot in uh, Canada, in Alberta, in a an abandoned shopping centre, uh, in a shopping mall, I should say. Uh, and that was going to be the whole sort of setting for the film as well. However, uh, reports at the start of 1986 that Christopher Reeve was out and some guy called Arnold Schwarzenegger was in. So where was he in, where was he in his career at this point? What have we had from Arnie? We'd had Commando. This is... Arnie on the Ascension, essentially. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he'd obviously done, you know, his early early stuff was, you know, uh Conan, Terminator. We'd done, yeah, Commando, I think, was the big sort of action blockbuster hit. Um, and I'm trying to think were would have been sort of they he did so many films close together. There was obviously Red Heat, Raw Deal, um, Predator was made the, the, around the same 87 time. 87 as well, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, which, which we'll get into. Um, so, yeah, he was, you know, he was re- his star was really on the rise. Obviously, it would be at its peak around, you know, 19, early 90s with, you know, Terminator 2 and, and when he was getting into his comedy and stuff. But, yeah, so he, um, he was a, a big name and mid-80s, I suppose, Christopher Reeve was still burning fairly brightly off off the back of superman this this is before obviously superman for quest for peace was quest, 1987 the, the, the quest for peace oh well yeah. if you're not going to give me that job i'm just going to go to milton Keynes and make superman for <laughs> <laughs> i'll go to a shopping center there instead Can you imagine what he must have been going through i could have been i could have been on the running man Good. and instead i'm in milton Keynes. <laughs> um so anyway so yeah, with the change of stars, obviously the film, the nature of the film changed. So with Christopher Reeves, it had been, I haven't read the book and I was planning to get a hold of a copy and because a few people have told me it is actually- you know, It is an good because that, that was a question I wanted to ask because I I'd picked up on that um, when I'd seen it was inspired and you know, the, mm. that's what I've read about that it's a good book. So yeah, um, but I, I think the Reeve version was a lot closer to the book and his version would have been about- an unemployed man who goes on a violent game show for like a month to, to, cause he has to support his family. I think his daughter's dying or something like that. 
However, when Arnie came on board, he's like, no, 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 this is too dark and depressing. You've got to be a, an innocent man. I've got to be a to hero. I've got to be a war hero, wrongly yeah. imprisoned, and I break out, then I get captured again, and then I go on a game show. Okay, okay. And it's a really flashy, gladiatorial-style uh, game show. Um, so, and I think... Uh, our friend uh, Stephen D'Souza, uh, who we we talked about, who helped create Arnie's action persona in Commando, and obviously he would write, uh, you know, a lot of eighties hits. He'd do, you know, Die Hard, and and m- many other stuff. So his uh, his pen had touched a lot of sort of eighties action goals, and apparently he worked on between Reeves and Schwarzenegger worked on fifteen drafts of the script. So it went through various different versions. It also went through various different directors, and there's there's a familiar name that crops up. So uh, originally, it was due to be directed uh, when Christopher Reeves was on board, and they were shooting they were going to shoot at this shopping mall by George P. Cosmatos. Now he oh. is the man that did. We talked about him in Tombstone. He directed. I'm doing my my inverted commas. Um, Kurt, Quotation Kurt Russell. fingers. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he directed uh, Tombstone. He directed Quotation Fingers, Cobra, First Alone, and he also did one of my favourite films, Rambo: First Blood Part Two. So he was quite, you know, a big name in uh, in in the eighties. He was Stallone's go-to guy, but he was fired over creative differences. Then the producers looked at a few other directors. There was a German director I've never heard of, Carl Schenkel, British director Ferdinand Fairfax, who got down to storyboard stage. Uh, And then finally, Andrew Davis came on board. And Andrew Davis is someone we've talked about before because he was the man that gave us, uh, gave basically Steven Seagal a career. So I think he did Hard to Kill and Under Siege, but then he would get, uh, Oscars with uh, the Fugitive. Um, right. So he, so he started working on this film and was fired after eight days because apparently, according to one of the producers, he was uh, a half a million over budget and four days behind of schedule. So he was fired, and then they were scrabbling around, and they hired uh, Paul Michael Glazer. And as I said in the intro. He's best known as Detective David Starsky from Starsky and Hutch. He uh, did have a directing experience. He hadn't directed any theatrical releases, but he directed a fair few episodes of Starsky and Hutch. And he had also uh, directed a few episodes of Miami Vice. Now, it's actually in in Arnie's uh, autobiography. He doesn't really talk about The Running Man very much, but he talks about how he was not happy about having Paul Michael Glazer on board. He's like, he didn't know anything. He's just a TV director and he lost all the nuance of the book and everything went out the window and it made it look really cheap, like a TV movie. Ah, so, right. yeah. So, but Arnie, in on fairness, said, you know, he was brought on late in the day and he had to, you know, had to do it on, on, a, on a tight budget and he did the best he was dealt with. So, but yes, I think... Arnie was comparing him to the likes of of James Cameron and stuff like that, which is probably an unfair comparison. Yeah. Uh, so to save money, because they were already down on money, they filmed a lot of it in and around LA. 
So they filmed uh, all the interiors at the Hollywood Center Studios. And then pretty much most of it sounds like it was filmed at a steel mill in California. So for both the opening where they're in the prison, uh, the steel mill, and also where the game game arena is set is very industrial as well. And yeah, finally, just we touched on it before. Originally, it was scheduled for a summer release, but they moved it back to a winter release to avoid competing with Predator, which was released in the summer of 87. <laughs> competing with yourself, only Arnie. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, that that is uh, the main sort of bulk. So it could have been, you know, for a, a very big could have, would have, should have. It sounds like it could have been a very different film with Christopher Reeve and any any one of those four directors who was lined up. Yeah, I mean, who knows who they would have chosen. I think if you look at where Arnie was, he was like, oh, come on, let's just make this film. I think he was probably really on board. And I think it was probably quite different to, if you look at what he'd done, you know, there was Conan, there was a bit of fantasy, there was Commander, which is, okay, it's a crazy action flick. And then there's something like this. It's like, okay, there's the, you know, this is a... A really interesting premise, you know. It's yeah. yeah, it's a it's a narrative on society. You know, it's about the game shows. It's about the, the, the where was I guess we were at Gladiator TV heaven. No, this, this, the, well, this was I, th- I think it was it was definitely before the UK Gladiators, and I think oh. it might have even been before American Gladiators as well. So it was whilst I think there'd been like these type of game shows, I don't think there was anything as like literal as Gladiators. So it was the, quite prophetic. I have the feeling that American America had American Gladiators a, a lot longer before we kind of lifted mm. it. Because I don't yeah, think we I'm... we got it in the UK until the nineties, did we? Early nineties. Yet, um... John Fashnu. <laughs> yeah, and Wolf. Oh, yeah, and um... meets Wolf Power. Yeah, and um, yeah, but I, I do put that as being like early nineties. Um, I preferred Blind Date with Stella Black, but there you go. That was uh, prime time television for idiots Mm. Um, so yeah but i think that's what i wanted to talk about as we move off before we start talking about the film is uh looking at it with a slightly more mature mind than when we first watched this film is the commentary yeah it's the social commentary is the fact that uh we talked this came up recently if you've checked out our patreon episode of they live you know we were joking about how the magazine stall is the internet but they're talking about technology and about how people are stuck to their phones and that the tv mm. is lying to you and people are just eating it all up but this is another film where the tv is lying to you and now today the world we live in is like yeah we know we know the news is lying to us <laughs> you know we're in a post-truth world now it's um well yeah it's it's you know, there's there's so much that you can take from this and i saw you know obviously the I will read out the opening now because I think at the time and even now it's it it just seems to be becoming more and more uh, true to life. So uh, here's the opening prologue. By 2017, the world economy has collapsed. Food, natural resources and oil are in short supply. A police state divided into paramilitary zones ruled with an iron hand. Television is controlled by the state and a sadistic game called The Running Man has become the most popular program in history. All art, music and communications are censored. No dissent is tolerated and yet a small resistance movement has managed to survive underground. When high-tech gladiators are not enough to suppress the people's yearning for freedom, more direct methods become necessary. 
that's a good prologue. I like that. It, it is. And when you think about like, you know, uh, when did I think Trump came into power um, in 2017? Brexit was Brexit happened or Brexit was end of 2016. It just seems like it was all kicking off then. And obviously, you know, we're. We're living in it. There's an energy crisis at the moment. There's well, just American the- banks. American banks are having fun right now. If you've got Amer- Silicon Valley Bank, wow. American banks are having fun right now. There's talk of freedom of speech on on UK. Everyone's going nuts about Gary Lineker. Um, yeah. That's putting a timestamp on things here. But yeah, it's. I mean, and I think that's the that's the thing that you and I and well, sorry, that's that's the thing that a lot of people love about the power of science fiction, how it can be all these far flung futuristic ideas, but it is a comment on on society at the time it was written and the direction we're going in. And it's yeah, it's it's quite as yeah, as you said, you know, talking about they live, it's it's scary how prescient these films are becoming before technology has evolved and TV and and the media have become so much more saturated in our in our lives and controlling of our lives. Well, it's that, you know, art imitating life, imitating art, because you've got the you know, what's going on is like. You can the ante keeps on getting upped and it's like, well, we'll do this, then we'll do that. And you're like, did are we giving the bad actors ideas is, you know, is older sci fi giving the, Mm. the bad actors these ideas or. The lawmakers say, "Oh, it's never, it's never going to happen." But like, yeah, if you look at um, when you just when you were saying that, um, you know, art is censored. You made me think of that, you know, that post-apocalyptic world where the the Earth is ruled by a video of Sean Pertwee. Um, oh, Equilibrium. Equilibrium, which ha- is not the Matrix. It's not a rip off of the Matrix, but and it it's is not. It's not a rip off of Fahrenheit four five one either, or nineteen eighty four. Um, but it's there's there's certain things about censoring, about like having a police state, and then we've covered uh, one of our favorite, um, not Universal Soldiers, uh, Starship Troopers, where you've got the same sort of thing. It's like everything's cool because we've gone seriously right wing, mm. in the, and it, it's a military state. But the satire is done brilliantly there. There's RoboCop, and I and I think you've probably said to me there is there's a lot I put this in the same wheelhouse as RoboCop. Not the same level of satire, but definitely the same sort of like things are bad. There's a police state. The TV shows that are on TV and RoboCop are the sort of kind that the running man looks like. Yeah, no, it's uh, I was going to say it's quite funny that you think about RoboCop was made the same year. And yeah, there are times this does feel like the sort of lesser cousin of RoboCop with the... The, the the TV and that satire of you know the was it climbing for dollars <laughs> you know and I'll buy guys, that for a dollar yeah um and stuff like that and obviously yeah um they live is 1988 so it's yeah a lot of stuff going on at that time um now it's funny you just as you were talking I was just thinking another thing that's just come up in the news recently about art being censored is in the past I think month both Roald Dahl and Ian Fleming, they're saying they're talking about removing some, you know, in, inflammatory language that they're actually going in and editing these books and everyone's saying, you know, this is, this is wrong, you know, okay, by all means, put a, put a warning or a, an opening statement at the start saying, you know, this is a product of its time, but you shouldn't be censoring oh, stuff as no, it was that's... written. 
That's terrible. You can't censor Roald Dahl's uh, racism or Ian Ian Fleming's love of vodka and uh, sweet tang sweet tang of something else. Oh my god! Yeah, there's there is that line. The oh my god, Quato, fetch my shoes. Yeah. So no, I well, just to finish off on that, um, have you watched Peter Pan yet on Disney? Because there's a warning that comes up. Oh, there's uh, there's loads of disclaimers on a lot of the Disney stuff. The, That's oh, the first time I'd yeah. seen one. Maybe you're right. watching a, a lot more risque, oh, dated stuff. Than oh no, I there's am. there's even what there's even disclaimers on the Muppets, the old Muppet Show, because it'll be some sort of sketch about I don't know Native Americans or some Pacific yeah. Islanders or someone might be smoking a bit too much. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh well, it's some, political some... correctness gone mad. So gone. where are we with the the Running Man? Should we talk about the film? Yeah, so uh, let's jump into first memories. What are your memories of this growing up? Well, I've got the typical, uh, I, I think we discovered this early. Well, at the same time, we discovered like all the other Arnie films over at the Glendinnings. But I remember it's three-act structure. I, actually, no, that's a lie. I don't really remember the ending. So we can talk a little bit. My first memories are a bit patchy. I, I'd, I'd, I've got a lot to say about what it was like to go back to this time. And the good news is I was I was pleasantly surprised because I'd forgotten the ending. I always, for some reason, remember the prison break really clearly. I remember the whole the setup and I remember him getting caught with that net thing. And then I remember like the skip to a death scene. Um, but I don't remember the subplot. I don't remember the, the whole thing. You know, we're getting into Act three now, but like where the film ends, you know, right. I forgot all of that. But I guess that's just my childish memories. Uh, like the, I remember it being me feeling like when I was younger that it was a bit gory, and I, I think yeah. it's cursed that it's a bit. It like it's not that you see it; it's the fact it's the way that Arnie dispatches people. Like we've seen stuff like that that we'd seen in films before this in Rambo and Arnie. It was blinking, you miss it. It was very quick stuff, but this was like all a lot of the death in this is pretty gruesome. It was only to get its eighteen rating. And I suppose when you think about it, if you look at like, obviously we, we joked about it in Commando, the fact that he's like mowing down, literally mowing down hordes of disposable bad guys with a minigun. Whereas this, he's killing a handful of people with his, pretty much with his bare hands or with very, by very brutal methods like barbed wire, chainsaws um, and, and all that jazz. And it's, yeah, I remember it having a, a I mean, you know, you and I, we've talked about this before, are, you know, big scaredy cats. And I remember having, thinking it was a lot more horror influenced growing up. Uh, and I think, yeah, it's in, in some ways you could say it's, it's a bit nastier than some of Arnie's films. I mean, yeah. that's not to play down yet. He was in some very violent films in, in the 80s. But yeah, this does feel a little bit gorier than the rest. And I think that's maybe as, for, for me, as, in terms of the stakes being higher. Yeah, um, but I think for for me, I think maybe in ways that I remember watching this, and it's and it's bizarre. I remember the opening very very clearly as well, especially like the the exploding head collars. That's quite a strong sort of imagery. Um, and I remember, yeah, I remember some of the the gladiatorial stuff. But I, yeah, I don't know for some reason it just didn't feel like we watched this on repeat as much as all the other Arnie films that we've already cover, covered covered. Yeah, I think us being the scary cats, I don't think we would have rushed back to it. I think 
Um, as I said, I remember this being quoted a lot, especially by Jamie Feeney. <clears throat> I remember him saying, you know, like um, just all those lines from Killian. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, I remember the deaths being gruesome and there's the barbed wire and all of that. And it's like that sort of very urban, industrial. It is very bleak, you know, the mm. future. So it's like they've still got the glossy behind the scenes, you know, they're very much yuppie sort of side. And you see them all in the green room you know, watching the show and then the, the guys are being called out one by one. But yeah, it, it, it is darker. It's darker than a lot of other Arnie films. And that's probably why we didn't go back to it because we were young and we're like, no, no, mm. we just want to watch the this the stuff that's made for kids. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does have, there's a lot of, yeah, as I say, it goes back to probably is Stephen D'Souza. You can feel the script has been so engineered around his persona. And some of the one-liners, they're like, even... Even Roger Moore would groan at some of these one-liners. The Zub Zero now plane zero. You're like, oh, is that the best? Surely you could give that another pass. I wanted to say something about the delivery of his one-liners are late. They are late and they are laboured. That's the I, problem. And, the... and again, I think that could be down to direction. Dire- I think directing. They're... No, no, Arnie, one more time. One more yeah. time, because because uh, yeah. They're... It's unlike him. You've seen him even. And then in uh, True Lies, you know, we've seen him. We've seen him. He can do Bond. He can do the Bond quips. And you're right. Roger Moore would be turning about that and saying, no, that's not how you do it. And I think even Arnie, I think even Arnie probably doesn't like it. It's like, oh, there's too much of a delay. Because he said, do you want to lift? You know, it's like everything he's doing. You could remember in the same year, stick around, you know, like it's same right the same year. It's obviously the director who's let him down. Even let off some steam, you know. There's there's poetry there, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, there's there's that's something I picked up on, and I know um, we're not going to sort of go into in into detail, but there are there are bits of this film that feels like there's there's no real tension, or it's just not very well done. There's the scenes that again, and it's something I, I mentioned uh, before. Like if you imagine in someone's hands, like James Cameron like how effective this film could be but it just feels like watching it back now it feels like there's not as much menace as there could be there's not enough threat you don't you don't really feel like Oni's Oni's truly running for his life I don't know if it's because we've we've spent decades watching this man fend off everyone but you just don't feel Oh yeah, well it's just on. He's going to get out of it. Obviously, the other guy's going to die, but you never feel he's he's really truly in danger. And I say I, I don't know if that's just down to Paul Michael Glazer's direction that he's never been, he hasn't had that enough experience to really portray the the threat or to to you know get the best performance out of Arnie. Well, yeah, because if you look at, I can see where the money's gone though. Like, if you look at the set design, you've got a guy on a bloody jetpack. You've got, um, you know, the chainsaw, the motorbike. There's, and there's, they've obviously spent a lot of time on the whole choreography of the fights. And yes, I think we are looking at this with, well, it's Arnie. Of course, he's going to get out of it. But yeah, I think I do remember the first time, because I haven't watched this film that many times. I do remember thinking, this is gruesome. This is, there's a high risk, you know, there's, and they obviously throw in two of his, you know, his cohorts from the, the beginning of the film. So there's 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 a good yeah. body count, you know. Um but yeah, I mean I, I do think that there's there was something missing. Like I think I think Killian brings everything. So he was actually a TV host. I didn't know this when I was younger. Yeah. So he so actually, he, he used to he was uh, really just family feud. 
but yeah, no, he's he's brilliant in this. I mean, he's like, um, and I think you know, it's and it's an inspired piece of casting. The fact that it's like, well, yeah, we could hire just another actor, but he really brings that that charm, but also like that real menace. You know, that green, as you're saying, that green room menace where he's just being awful. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, um, really? But- yeah. You're fine. <laughs> um, but also, you know, shout out to um very similar role for, for Russell from Wayne's Russell World. from Wales, because it's the same thing. He's, <laughs> He's pretty, pretty much same. playing the same role as as yeah. I like to think it exists in the same universe. <laughs> Give me the flashlight, Russell. Um but yeah, no, there, there are other things. I think that there it does feel like, yeah, they've spent a lot of the budget has gone on to the running man TV show, but you have the opening prologue with Arnie. I'm not going to kill those innocent people and him wrestling lots of people on a someone shaking the, the helicopter side to side with some dodgy back projection. Um, you also don't have. Don't worry about that. Uh, what else have I got down? You do have some great, uh, some great matte paintings, some dodgy makeup. Let's talk. About, is, is that a fake beard? Pretty sure it's a fake beard. Pretty sure it's a fake beard. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, I think Can we talk a... about the sidekick. I think she holds her own. Is it Conchita? What's her name? Maria um, Conchita Alonso, I think, it, who would crop up in Predator 2. Yeah, she's decent. I, I think she's a good foil to Arnie. I think uh, just to have her around both damsel in distress and comic relief, I think she does a good job of both. Yeah, no, she's she's good. Um, uh, I've got this. There's a few great things here. There's the Harold Faltermeyer, obviously Mr. Beverly Hills Cop theme tune and Top Gun with the the, the synthy score. Do like the music. It's it so is. simple, but it's it like is. it's catchy. It st- yeah. sticks in your head. Definitely. Uh, some nice matte paintings I've got as well for, yeah, for the, showing the future LA. Um, can we talk about Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac? Um... Did you not spot this? He's not so, the old guy. No. Yes. So the old guy, the British guy from the resistance is Mick, in a lot of makeup is, is Mick Fleetwood with some old school, uh, old man makeup. And he's called Mick. And at one point he's like, remember when they burnt all my songs. So I think Mick Fleetwood is playing himself in the future. Now I'm confused. Um, so yes, uh, I remember uh, one of my old work colleagues pointing that out to me, and I'm just like, that can't be right. And I've watched it, and then read like read up online. It's like, yep, yeah, it's pretty much. I mean, he's so it is fact. It's not just rumors. <laughs> oh, I think I said that. Up, I said that up too much. Sorry. Um, but yes, his character is called Mick M I C, and Mick Fleetwood is M I C K. So that's the only difference. Um, but yes, very bizarre. Um, Can we talk about if... the explodey explody head was clearly a shorter person running with a fake <laughs> head on top. I love that because I don't know if we, I think, but I think that's the sort of thing that Jamie or James or John would have pointed out. Look, look, it's not even a real person. It's a dwarf or it's a, a yeah. little person running because that's what it must have been because he's still running. We've got very short arms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a great moment. Uh, we have to talk about the fabulous uh, Jesse Ventura. Is it Captain oh, Freedom? Captain, Captain Fre- Freedom. Yeah, I mean, he really doesn't get... He, he. It's a shame we don't get to see the full Jesse. 
Yes. Uh, no, it's well, it's, we do and we don't. We do and we, they get to have a fight, but you know it's not real, so it didn't really happen. And well, that's that, that that's another point of discussion. Deep fake, anyone? Yeah, I know. So it's easy because when I was I paid attention this time, I was like, and then we just get that, and then it's it's mapped onto the software model. I was like, okay, this is this is where it could go. And it was kind of there, 2017. I mean, if you'd had, you know, well, what you know, we'd we'd, uh, in the move, what we'd had in the movies by 2017, we, they had done that, hadn't they? Yeah, they, they'd gone a lot further than that. So, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I remember us talking about how, like, hilarious that was at the time. Um, but, yeah, and, it, you know, it is quite clever how, the, yeah, they show them the mapping the faces and stuff like that. So it is, there is some great future sort of technology in it and the, the the planning and stuff there and the commentary i say yeah i say love jesse venturi he needs to be in it more it, just the commercials where he's doing the his workout classes and he's just doing all the posing and, and jumping up and down <laughs> it's amazing it shows his talent like he he should have done more of that yeah absolutely um have we got anything else uh quite fitting that all of the i know it's obvious but the fact that all of the gladiators are dispatched by their own weapons or a version of their own weapons so pyro is burnt alive uh the electric guy's electrocuted the buzzsaw is impaled on his own thing that is true it's quite smart how he does that with all of them Um, yeah yeah definitely um why does Killian explode when at the end he goes into an exploding billboard? Is it because it was the, the 80s? Billboard, it's because the billboard is just, it's near a, a fuel dump. So it's uh, like... Okay, okay. <laughs> M- yeah, my mistake. I, I don't even know why he goes faster than everybody else. Is it because everyone's gone home? Probably because Arnie's those... pushed him. Is that what it is? Okay. I did like the thing. Maybe we are getting really pernickety now, but like when the thing's going through the tunnel and there's a mirror in the tunnel to see yourself going past, it was just like, oh, so it's probably a ride or something. You know, the fact that it's got that. But um, I, uh, so just to talk about what it was, I really enjoyed going back to this because I said I'd forgotten the whole thing at the end. I'd forgotten the, the uprising, the rebellion, and I think this move, this film moves along at a nice pace. Yes, going back to you know, on he's, he's never in real peril. That is missing. There's no real tension. But I, I enjoyed where it goes. I, I enjoyed the comeuppance of everything. I think it's a, it was great to go back, and it was a pleasant surprise because it's been so long since. Must be at least ten years. I watched this uh, maybe even longer. I think I definitely watched this at uni, you know, when I was going through. Yeah. Or, D- you know, like when DVDs came out, it was like that moment. It's like, let's watch everything. Yeah. Know? But it's been a long time. No, I'd say, I think it's, for me, it's sort of mid-tier Arnie. I mean, I think he's, in terms of, he has done some sort of stinkers in terms of the action. And, you know, he had a fairly consistent hit rate in the 80s. But yeah, there was there was a few clunkers. And I think this kind of sort of sits in the middle. And I think there is, there's a lot to enjoy about it. There is, I say, there's some great ideas. But it's not uh, really the action. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there is. I mean, there's some, there's some inv- inventive action. But you can, yeah, it just always feels small like you know the the bit that's clearly it's just clearly they filmed it on a hockey rink with a few you know putting a few walls up and stuff like that um and yeah you can you can see the sort of the budget limitations um but yeah i think it's still 
it still zips along. It's a lot of fun. As you say, it's got great soundtrack. It's it, There's a lot of key things. It, it, uh, all I'm saying is I think it had the potential to be a lot better and maybe in sort of safer hands. You know, imagine it if it was a Paul Verhoeven or a James Cameron, uh, you know, film it, it would it could be potentially be really you know really something i think verhoven would have been a great a great director to have given this to because he would have dealt with the satire the you know the comment the commentary the social commentary and he would have given us the gore and the bleakness that he's given us in films yeah. like robocop so but he was obviously too busy making robocop and thank god he did that so indeed yeah I don't know uh, what else there is to say. Um, would you like to, is there anything that we haven't covered that's worth mentioning? I am definitely going to check out this book. Um, yes, yeah, think- we'll, we'll have to check that out. Um, because, yeah, I think it is. Well, I think, um, speaking of which, I think Edgar Wright is taking a stab at it. I think he's uh, um, adapting it say, from, from the book. Say, I, would, I would like to see a, um, yeah, I'd like to see another... Uh, this is when we get to this point in talking about films, what we're saying about the directors, I think, yeah, it would be, um, it would be worth a remake. And if we don't, sorry, because I know we had one at the beginning, we've, that is, we've covered all the coulda, woulda, shouldas. There weren't any others. No, no, I've, 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 there's more. Okay. Well, I think it's time to let in Jeff and Celine then. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So coulda, woulda, shoulda is where George updates us on actors that were considered for the roles, typically the major roles, but didn't get them for whatever reason. So who have we got this time, George? So, yeah, we've we've already touched on the many directors that could have made the film. We've, we've touched on Christopher Reeve being very close. Uh, however, um, there was one show I talked about that uh, Paul Michael Glazer had worked on, uh, and that was Miami Vice. And at one point... Don Johnson was in in talks to star, but he passed on the project to remain working on Miami Vice. So he was one he, person. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I guess he was making a turn and that was the highlight of his career, I think. Uh, yeah. He's gone on to do some interesting things since. Um, Likeable guy. It's nice to see him pop up in films. Uh, like I think the most recent thing I saw him was in was uh, Knives Out. Um yeah, he's but, had yeah. a bit of a, a career resurgence. He's also uh, very good in, uh, I don't know if you've watched it yet, but the the Watchmen series, he's, he's good in that. I have not. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 do, I do rate him. And I think I was really tempted. There was one thing, I never got into Miami Vice when I was younger. And that's something I... I Probably too young when it was in its yeah, prime. Yeah, yeah, no, totally, totally. Yeah. But it's like, I think that would be an interesting thing to go back to at some stage is to see... Because I think it's such a great time capsule, yuppies and suits. And, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, to answer your question, what would I, th- I have no idea what he would have been like acting in a film like this, you know? Well, again, um, but- I think it's it's hard to imagine anyone other than Arnie when it's been so clearly built around him. Uh, however, one other person that was arguably having a peak moment at this time was none other than Dolph Lundgren. And he expressed interest in starring in the, in the film, which, again, you could, you know, potentially see Dolph, but this is around the same time as Masters of the Universe, so I think Dolph would really struggle with those one-liners. 
Um, uh, they, unless they they worked it into the script, like they worked around Arnie. But if they got around his um, his elocution, I think he's perfect for the role, personally. Uh, and then a uh, bit of a left field one. I mean, w- we know the man can dance. Patrick Swayze was also considered. Now, again, oh, wow. I think that would make it a leaner film, a bit like the more Christopher Reeve, more sort of drama driven one. Yeah, but some real acting. Um, interesting. Interesting to see who, especially in terms of the time, like who, who mm. I think that's what's whenever George does uh, coulda woulda shoulda there's sometimes where it's almost like it's the usual suspects it's all it's all of the yeah. a-lists of hollywood at for that year or for that era um feel sorry for that the casting agents just call up all the usual guys um okay any others no no that's it um so yeah as i say i think it'll be it'll be interesting to see if edgar wright actually does get rounds to, so yeah, I think he, they announced it a, a, a couple of years ago. Uh, so I think he, it could be Edgar Wright's next film, and yeah, I imagine it will be closer to a sort of a dark sort of thriller rather than a a flashy action film. Um, I like the idea. I like the idea of it being longer, like yeah. over a month, like where he's like, the whole thing is like he's got a survival. You know, it's pro- it, yeah, proper survival, but also mental survival yeah. do you know what yeah. I mean? rather than it being physical i think that's a place where i'd go with it is uh, you know it's like how like in terms of breaking somebody like not yeah. just because that that would be the whole only thing and, and just to... just having to survive on you know find food and stuff like that and yeah it's you're, uh you're totally last of us um and obviously yeah there has been similar ideas since obviously there's been the hunger games that was a big thing in, hard in the, target hard, hard target um <laughs> battle royale sorry you side 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 blind me there um george but, comes but, out with like a perfect like there's the hunger games like this there's also hard target with uh john claude van damme punching a snake um lance henriksen aggressively playing the piano uh as you you mentioned assaulting uh, assaulting a, a piano just his piano face um so yeah, there's Battle Royale as well. So there has been, and then there's, yeah, there's been game show type stuff, um, you know, satirical stuff. So yeah, I think it is probably ripe for a, another adap- uh, adaptation. I'd take, uh, I'd take another uh, another stab at it. Like, I'd be good. I'd, I'd be very interested to see what some, and I think the time's kind of right. As we've said, it's almost prophetic. It would be nice to see somebody's take on where we're going from today. Mm. So yeah, that's it. I think yeah, it's um, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, for me, it's 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 mid tier, Arnie. Yeah, yeah. I think the action's not. Uh, there is some action in it, but there's uh, the, if we look at the other films that were out in the same year and the year before and the year after, mm. there's probably uh, a lot more to choose from. So, what one more thing to talk about? So there's the the end scene, which ends in true eighties fashion with some sort of power ballad. Arnie's eyes meets Maria Conchita Alonso and he and he walks off into the sunset, but he still has her in, in the death grip of holding her neck as they walk down the I corridor. I thought that together. was a little bit a little bit um Aggressive. I don't want to say yeah, it's sort of like I guess that's just the sweet tang of success at the end of that film. <laughs> I'm scheduling me? another meeting in bed. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, it does kind of stand out. It's like, no, no, no. Maybe it's because she kept walking the wrong way. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so George, what can our listeners look forward to? Uh, obviously, we've got um, some stuff coming out on Patreon that's probably worth a mention. But what else uh, should we let people know about? uh so yeah we're, we're on patreon we have most recently well just around the time you're listening to this we've released a, a sort of a look back at the john wick saga series whatever you want to call it with uh the upcoming or the the release of john wick chapter four um but yeah we have some some other stuff in the pipeline i think we're gonna tackle uh superman one and two in our next month that's a biggie for us it's something we've been prolonging for a while Uh, i think it may even be is it a 45th anniversary of the first film which is very a very big long time (laughs) um so yeah um that is or yes i think it's 45th anniversary this year i think it's actually getting a re-release in cinemas um this summer Love to see both films back to back with the Richard Donner cut. No, that's asking too much. Um, so yes, we'll we'll be covering uh, the Richard Donner slash Richard Lester Superman one and two next month. So that's a big film for us. Um, however, as always, you know, if you do have any suggestions uh, of films that we've yet to cover uh, that you think we would you want to see the want to hear the retro ramble treatments, please get in touch. Let us know. Obviously, we're on. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you're hearing, or just you know recommend to a friend. And of course, you can stream everything and keep up to date with what we're doing on our blog at retroramble.blog. So, okay, well, for this episode, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks a lot. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>